Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And today we're finally, finally back to reviewing because we are Woo! some, we are some lazy, lazy, lazy bums. Speak for yourself, Al. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's always my fault, isn't it, C? Yes, we've been over this. Uh, uh. Sometimes, no, no. sometimes you give off such oppressive energy, C. Honestly. Oh, good. I'm glad that scent is finally coming through. No, folks, let's just say life happens sometimes, and that's okay. Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Right? right. I see I, what I, you did there. The only reason I started this was to somehow work that in here. Well, good. So is this the finale of the podcast? Is that no, it? no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I needed to find a way to mm-hmm. use the phrase life finds a way to explain why we haven't done something in like what a couple of days in, in any case in any right. case uh we are reviewing uh the sixth jurassic park movie or the Dear. third jurassic world movie yeah. jurassic world dominion bah, 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 bah. so the next is jurassic universe right is that what's next no 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 it would probably be jurassic solar system mm, then jurassic right. galaxies mm. then jurassic uh universe right because right. if they do jurassic universe next that that's just jumping the shark oh right right that 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 would jump the shark in this series yeah that alone. yeah exactly exactly they haven't um, done that yet <laughs> uh you know it's it's really interesting um you know we are obviously going to talk about our thoughts on the movie and uh, whether we think you should go and see it, I mean, uh, well, <laughs> at this point, it's obvious nobody's going to care what we have to say because this movie has been making bank. It has, but the uh, reviews have not been kind, and we are aware of that, folks. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, see, I really try to avoid even watching or listening or reading my favorite reviewers when when we're going to review something. Just because I don't, I guess you would say, I don't want that to kind of cloud my judgment going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do it before we make the podcast. I definitely, definitely do it when I just go see these films, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because we we're taking such a long time, I just couldn't help but listen to one of my favorite reviewers out there, the Double Toasted Podcast guys over oh, in yeah. Austin, Texas. Uh, and, you know, I, I got to say, I, I can honestly say, what they had to say was very interesting and very informative, but I, I, I still think I'll be able to give a good, a good um, review on like my views are not tarnished by what people I respect have been saying. Does, does that mm-hmm. make sense? See, it does. It does. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, and he was basically, he was hating on this thing. And I was like, you know, I, the part, the specific parts you're despising, like, I thought those were kind of fun, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that. You know, besides that, the other interesting narrative surrounding this film was that this was one, this along with uh, Paramount's uh, Mission Impossible movies, this was shooting right as the pandemic started. There's a movie about the making of this movie, folks. Well, well okay, so essentially what happened was they were like, what, a month or maybe even a week into filming and then the world basically just ended Mm -hmm. and they essentially what essentially was going to be you know a standard big budget movie production schedule Mm -hmm. i mean you obviously have like at the large end you have something like the lord of the rings which they shot three movies in a year and then did reshoots every subsequent year before the release of the films but normally you're looking at 
three, maybe four months. Mm-hmm. Average, average. Obviously, there are some differences. Some films can be a lot. Normally, they're not a lot shorter. Um, like maybe you can get away with two months, maybe. Um, but definitely, you're looking at three to four months shooting a film. Well, because of the pandemic, not only did this film go through stops and starts of production because, you know, COVID outbreaks, uh, some major crew or major uh, actors basically got COVID and had to be quarantined or, uh, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Then you also had that they were just shooting so slow because of all the COVID uh, procedures that the studio both mandated the what the unions mandated and because this film takes place in different parts of the world what the countries mandated. So this essentially became a bit over a year ordeal. I thought it was nine months. I didn't know it was a year. Jesus. It was, it was, it was almost a year. It was like maybe 11 months. Mm. That's unheard of for just one movie. Like again, Mm. the Lord of the Rings shot the bulk of their stuff in one year, 1999. And this, this was just, this was like C alluded to this was such a big deal that, you know, some people went stir crazy. Some people just wanted to not do the movie whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the stories that were going around Hollywood so, so much that Judd Apatow heard about it. Judd Apatow, as you know, is the director of the 40 year old virgin, um, uh, knocked up, mm-hmm. uh, uh, funny people, uh, train wreck. You know, he's basically, he's basically kind of the granddaddy of the modern American comedy. You know, he really he, has become that. Yeah. So he heard about this and he decided that he wanted to make a, a movie about this, and that ended up being Netflix The Bubble, which came out, I believe, in April of this year. We haven't gotten a chance to see it, but. I kind of want to see it just because yeah. I want to see like, well, what exactly was going on or, or what exactly was Judd Apatow hearing that he was like, this is so funny. I want to make a movie out of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but again, that's probably for a later review, a later discussion right now. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about Jurassic world dominion and the Jurassic park franchise in general. Uh, see, it would be, it would be such an obvious question to ask like, like, how much did you like the first Jurassic Park? Because everybody loves Jurassic Park. <laughs> Everyone does. If you don't like Jurassic Park, you're a communist. Well, no, if you don't like Jurassic Park, you're not human, to be exactly. clear. Exactly. It's, it's considered one of Spielberg's greatest films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a high watermark of his career. Mm-hmm. It's a high watermark of a Hollywood history of... The history of visual effects, the evolution of visual effects. It's well, it's it's such a historical touchstone too, because it's truly, it is when it is the dawn of a new era of how films are made. Exactly, and again, it if you saw this film, like I, I was too young to see this film in theaters. Same. Like, like I wouldn't have remembered seeing it, right? Mm-hmm. I would have been basically if I had gone and seen it, I would have been like. My parents would have been that couple who brought a baby to a movie theater. Were they ever that couple? No, no. Like, my dad kind of went the extreme direction where he's like, I don't want to take our kids anywhere because I don't want them to bother people. Mm. <laughs> but anyway. You're um, like, Dad, I'm 15. Shut up. You're not going with me. 
No, Kids I, should I, be I, seen, not heard. <laughs> now, anyways. Anyways. So, yes, everybody loves Jurassic Park. If you don't like it, you're either a communist or not human. You're a communist Martian, basically. Yep. So I guess I'm going to ask, because you, you did see the, the first Jurassic World, correct? Yes, I've seen the first one and this in the just Jurassic World trilogy. I've seen the first one and this one. I heard Fallen Kingdom was so bad that I just didn't even see it. So I did see Fallen Kingdom. I saw mm. it, I think maybe the week after it came out in an empty theater. And <laughs> honestly, as I was watching it, I kept thinking to myself, this is some of the most stupidest things I've ever seen. Did you ever think of leaving? No, no, no. I, I strongly believe that unless unless I'm watching something that makes me physically ill, I, I paid for it. I'm going to see it. And at the very least, I can bitch about it. Oh, I've walked. I, I, so you've never just because of how bad it is walked out of a movie? No, no, no. I, mm. I walked out of one movie once, but not because it was bad. Okay. But anyway, um, so yeah, Jurassic World, the first one. Um, let me start off by saying that when when they announced the pitch for Jurassic World, or, or the logline, I should say, mm -hmm. that, hey, uh, they tried to do the park idea again, and it's working this time. I mm -hmm. thought to myself, well, that's really the only other place this series could go. And by series, I mean the Jurassic Park franchise in general. So it's my personal opinion that after the first Jurassic Park, there were only really two other possibilities you can go with. Mm -hmm. uh, what what the second Michael Crichton book, just called The Lost World, what it did was that, hey, the company actually, actually manufactured the dinosaurs in a different island, and we need to go figure out what's up with that. Mm. And then the third logical narrative uh, path was... They're going to try again, mm -hmm. right? So that was always my opinion that because the third Jurassic Park film, just simply called Jurassic Park 3, was basically, hey, let's go to the, to the second island again, even though we know it's super dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have trouble accepting the premise that anyone would even go near that island and risk yeah. being eaten by a dinosaur. Because that so, island was like, the, that's the untamed wilds. That's like, there are just, that's where we breed them, basically. Basically, it was like, it was where the, it was where the manufacturing plant was. Because yeah. it, it makes sense. Like, they, there's just not enough room to mm -hmm. develop the dinosaurs in the same island that the, that the park's in, mm -hmm. right? And it was hypothetically too dangerous. Like, we can't make them here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it made it would make more sense that we just get a second island and make them there, right? Mm -hmm. And that way, if anything were to happen, we can we can shut them both down. So th that always made sense to me, right? Yeah. But in the third movie, where it's like, oh, this kid and his stepdad uh, just happened to go parasailing close to the island, yeah, and now they're well. The, that, the, the third movie is such a sci-fi original movie premise. Yeah, no, like, it really is. It's that bad. Here's the crazy thing about it, too, is that, like, it's and such you actually, a... And you know what? And this is something you said when we walked out of the movie, and I finally get it. The third Jurassic Park movie of, like, the original three, 
it loses the majesty. That's the problem. It goes full fear. And that, yeah, and you're right. It, as you mentioned to me earlier, it doesn't work when you do that. Exactly. And it's funny that you call this a sci-fi original movie because it's literally maybe like 93 minutes long. Also, Alexander Payne co-wrote it, which is a shame. Really? So, yeah, if you look it up, or no, he's he's like one of three, and to be clear, it was one of those scripts that had been passed around like a bunch of times. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he ended up with it. And actually, it was at a film festival I was at. And they're they're talking to Alexander Payne and they're interviewing him and he's telling different things. And someone stood up, it was time for questions, and they said, the guy just said, Jurassic Park 3, question mark? And he's like, yeah, what do you want to know? And he's like, well, what? I'm just curious, like, what made you do that? And he's like, honestly, it's one of the most fun times I've ever had writing something. And he never admitted it in that moment if the dinosaur saying Alan was his idea or not. But he did imply that he decided to just go full weird with it. So, you know, it's possible that was his idea. It's so interesting. Alexander Payne is credited on Jurassic Park 3. And I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yes, that, he is. He that is. is. That is so weird to me. But he's he with Chuck and Larry. He um, for that one. He did an early second draft that the version that we see that came out is nothing like what he and what was done earlier. No, no, of course, because, you know, the moment uh, the mo the moment uh, Happy Madison got its hands on it, yep. they probably got their own writers to just rewrite everything. That, that uh, makes uh, total sense. Apparently, the um, the original Chuck and Larry had slightly more it was the the apparently the pitch was the bird cage but straight i'm not even kidding like apparently okay that, was the pitch. that would make sense then why alexander payne would write something like that that makes yeah. total sense but going back to uh, the jurassic park franchise mm -hmm. so you know jurassic park 3 i was always like i really can't believe that someone would go to this island winning willingly the second time right the, the, yeah. the, the one i'm being is like isla which one is the Park Island, Sorna or Nublar? Oh, don't ask me this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. All right, so basically the, the, the factory island, the fact that someone would go there a second time is preposterous. Yeah. So uh, a director we spoke of earlier, Steven Spielberg, in mm -hmm. 2012 went to go see a little movie called Safety Not Guaranteed, and he loved it. He loved it so much. He called the director of Safety Not Guaranteed into his office and said, hey, Pitch me, Kathleen Kennedy, and Frank Marshall a Jurassic Park movie because we want to make a fourth one, but we can't figure out a story. And this director by the name of Colin Trevorrow said, Colin Trevorrow. Oh, Colin Trevorrow. Sorry. No, you're good. He said they actually make the park this time and people go to it and it's super successful. And I, this is just my own input on it. I'm assuming the three of them came in their pants mm. when they heard that. Yeah. So obviously Trevor Rowe signed on to direct the project. Uh, it's really it's really funny because when rumors were going around that the Safety Not Guaranteed director had signed on to do a big, big, big budget movie. Everyone it was weird. No, well, everyone assumed he either signed on to do Star Wars or he was going to do uh, the Avengers sequel was mm -hmm. what the rumors were going around. And he just, he, you know, because they weren't ready to announce him as the director of Jurassic Park 4, mm -hmm. he basically was saying like, yeah, well, I really hope the fans of this franchise are very accepting of me and blah, 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 blah. And he got announced as the director and the logline for Jurassic World came out. Now, yep. 
when I first heard of this, when I first heard that oh, Jurassic Park 4 is uh, InGen made the park and people are going to it and it's the most popular park in the world, I said to myself, yes, that is the only other logical path that this series can take. It makes a lot of sense. Also, uh, this would probably be the best way to end the series because mm -hmm. the park works, boom, done. What was needed to be done needed to be done. Mm -hmm. um, I I have never, like, listen, I love Jurassic Park, but I've never been a Jurassic Park hardcore fan. And in the years since I've, you know, uh, been to film school, wrote stuff, gotten into a lot of fandoms, I am just shocked that Jurassic Park franchise has a very dedicated and loyal fan base. It is a little weird. Like, I know someone who's apparently like a, a celebrity fan of Jurassic Park online. And it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, people are people are as passionate about this franchise as they are about like Star Wars, Star Trek, MCU, what have you. Yeah. And, you know. Since I wasn't on that level, I said to myself, like, oh, there's no way they can mess this movie up. It, it's going to be fine. And then I saw it. You know, it came out in June 2015. Mm -hmm. And I saw it. And, I, you know, there were some silly things about it. Uh, there were some things that kind of, looking back on it, you said to yourself, like, well, that was kind of stupid. For instance, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character is running around the park, running away from dinosaurs in stiletto heels. And... It's just one of those things that you're like, because you just see her running in such an uncomfortable fashion. You're like, how are you not breaking your ankles? Mm -hmm. uh, I was always skeptical, skeptical of the Chris Pratt is training velociraptors. Because the thing is, sure, we don't know about the dinosaurs and how they acted. Therefore, we can you can imply a lot of things of them. But at the end of the day, they're lizards. And if you're going to convince me that you can train a bloodthirsty velociraptor to do what you want, that's a hard sell for me. And, you know, ironically enough, in the movie, because the trailers really sold that element of the film hard, trained velociraptors. It was in the, all the trailers, all the TV spots, everything. See, a trained T, if he like controlled and was in charge of a T-Rex and he had to ride one, that would be cool. <laughs> also, We'd accept that, but it, but it'd still be a little stupid. See, Come it'd be on. a little stupid. But you're telling me that there isn't a moment where he literally rides it, and people would be like, "Okay, that's fucking cool." At some okay, point, okay, that'd be okay. cool. Well, you you got to remember, see, in 2015, Jurassic Park was still considered a quote unquote grounded franchise. Sure. sure. Now, now, <laughs> the the ironic thing was was that in the actual film, the whole Velociraptors. Or the whole Owen Brady is, or Owen Grady is training Velociraptor thing. Owen Grady is the name of his character. Um, mm -hmm. That thing was was very like subdued, as in like I'm trying to train them. They're not really trainable. This this is kind of like not going as far as you want. And then, um, uh, oh gosh, who played the, one of the antagonists in that movie? Um, he played a, he played a, a kingpin in the MCU. Oh yeah, um, he was in Law and Order: Criminal Intent for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, uh, and he was also the villain in um Vincent in Men Garofalo? in Black. Yeah. Yes, he's yeah. a great actor. Yeah, he's basically his whole thing is that like, hey, I want to sell 
this technique to the military. And in the end, the movie shows you that this was really stupid. It couldn't go far enough to train them. But basically, the movie was like, hey, it's not really about training velociraptors. It's kind of this, this naivete that you can dominate nature. It, it made sense in the film, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I liked it. Did, did you like Jurassic World? Okay, so for me, it was better than Jurassic Park 3. Um, almost as good as um, the second Jurassic Park, um, but nowhere near as good as the first. Okay. So, like, it's if it was the f- like if this was the third movie in the Jurassic Park franchise, I'd be like, you know what? That's a very impressive trilogy. Like they did exactly what they needed to do with it. Mm-hmm. But instead, you have a really bad movie in between. Okay, so. When, uh, and I can't believe I forgot to mention him, uh, the Indominus Rex, everything Mm -hmm. about him, you know, at the time I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But then when you left the movie theater, for me personally, I thought to myself, like, one dinosaur basically turns out to be evil. That happens to be a hybrid or basically a a T-Rex with a velociraptor brain and emotional callousness. Yeah, that was weird. And then like... like, yeah. When I left the theater with that, I, I was like, oh, that that's kind of silly. The whole Indominus Rex thing was kind of silly. But, you know, whatever. They they needed some a reason to justify that the whole park went to shit. Indominus Rex, whatever, fine. Yeah. Th- three years later, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom comes out. Uh, it's directed by J.A. Bayona. Uh, it's still written by Colin Trevorrow and his writing partner, Derek Connolly. And straight up, this movie's stupid. This movie's straight up stupid. The I looked pro- up a plot summary, and it looked dumb as shit. So essentially, uh, the Jurassic, the second iteration of Jurassic Park is now basically gone. And it, it, it's essentially the, the first part is essentially the, or the first two acts is the plot of, actually, no, let me rephrase that. The first two acts of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom are the first two acts of the plot of The Lost World, Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park. Essentially, they have to go to the park and they have to rescue these dinosaurs because the volcano is going to erupt. And you think to yourself, like, okay, that sounds stupid that that they're willingly going back with the flimsy excuse of, we need to save these animals. And you know know what? You kind of accept it. Uh, Some of the new characters are eye-rollingly cringy, especially and... You know, he's a good actor, uh, Justice Smith. He was the lead in Detective Pikachu, and he's the lead in uh, in a young adult novel movie that I believe is on Hulu, or no, on Netflix, that's basically about teens with bipolar disorder. And he's also in this, uh, he was mo-capped for a pretty popular video game that's out right now. Oh, really? Yeah, um, do you remember? Uh, not was it called Until Dawn? Do you remember that oh, game? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, made yeah. another one recently. Oh okay. Well, and well, he's in that. Well, Justice Smith is a good actor, but oh, uh, he is. Fallen Kingdom was kind of his, was kind of his big break, and he plays the whiniest, the most cowardly character I have ever seen in a major motion picture. All he does is whine and cry about being on the island, and you you just think to yourself like. Oh my God, who would write this? Mm. And, but anyway, and then in the third act of Fallen Kingdom, 
They take all the dinosaurs that were quote unquote rescued and the whole film becomes a thriller about these evil corporate moguls selling off these dinosaurs in the black market. And it's up to Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard to save the dinos. Oh, and on top of that, uh, they discover that the co-owner of InGen had his daughter who died in a car accident cloned. And that the girl everyone thought was his granddaughter is actually a girl that was cloned from dino DNA and the guy's daughter. And now they have to rescue her. And the reason they have to rescue her is because uh, B.D. Wong's character decided, you know what? I don't want to create a T-Rex with or an albino T-Rex with a raptor's brain. I want to create <laughs> a dino T-Rex, an albino T-Rex with a raptor's brain the size of a raptor that kills people that has a special laser pointed at them. And then that raptor goes crazy and decides it wants to kill the mutant dino clone girl because genetics. And that's the whole third act. And I'm sorry if I spoiled it for you, but that movie. No one cares. That movie is five years old and one of the, or four years old and one of the stupidest, dumbest third act turns I have ever witnessed in a movie. Ever, 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 ever. I am mad just remembering about this. Like, listen, I know uh, everyone says that Colin Trevorrow, because eventually he did get a Star Wars gig. He got Star Wars Episode Nine. I know everyone says that him directing the Book of Henry cost him that job. No, it had to have <laughs> been writing that piece of garbage. Jurassic World Falling Kingdom. You, you cannot hire anyone who wrote that garbage and say, hey, let's give you the keys to the biggest Hollywood franchise in the world. I'm sorry. No, no. <sighs> How about we watch the trailer for Jurassic World Dominion and then talk about it? Sure. I want to point out. Hold <laughs> on. Can, Al. Yeah. We're 26 minutes in. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the movie. Let's, but do you want to? Do you want to? No, you know what? No, I, I like this. Put on Fallen Kingdom and let's analyze the shit out of this shitty trailer. Okay. Do it. All right. All right. Give me one sec. L let's just say, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, I have... I have a lot of pent-up frustration that I paid good money to see that god-awful piece of garbage known as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that they could see and touch. Creation is an act of sheer will. Life will find a way. We can't keep her here forever. They find her, we're never gonna see her again. We gotta protect her, that's our job. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster.
settler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? We're racing toward the extinction of our species. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. say that after walking out of this movie I realized the only place that this franchise can go is back and I think truly and at this point if I say this on the podcast it's anyone's idea I guess but a either a mini series or a movie but it'd be better as a mini series that starts with them discovering the amber with the mosquito in it and all the way up until while they're building Jurassic Park. There's something there where they're like actually delving into making a dinosaur. And the the it end the first episode, or maybe the second episode, ends with them hatching their first dinosaur. And it's this remarkable moment. Anyways, let's talk about this movie. So, um basically, and something I forgot to add in my Falling Kingdom rant was in the end. You know, the bad guys get eaten by dinosaurs, the good guys win, and incidentally, all those captured dinos get released into the wild. Mm -hmm. And uh, Colin Trevorrow has spoken at length that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom isn't necessarily a true sequel. It was more like something he needed to write to get the dinosaurs from the island to the real world. And the actual the actual next step to the film was uh, how do humanity, how it does humanity react with this, these creatures in our ecosystem and on our planet with us, can we coexist with them? Mm -hmm. And he has claimed that that was what uh, dominion is all about is kind of answering and grappling with that question. Mm. Uh, so essentially, uh, Four years later, Owen and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, Claire, are raising uh, the dino mutant clone girl as their, like, surrogate daughter in Oregon. And she gets kidnapped along with Blue's baby. And here's the one thing I don't get. Blue somehow ended up from 
like ended up kind of living nearby Owen just yeah. incidentally four years later. That was the one thing I was like, really? You would think she would have gone to, I don't know, Arizona instead of ice cold Oregon. But that's also, just me. the Velociraptor Blue, they just casually mentioned that she asexually reproduced a baby. Yeah, yeah. That's dangerous as shit if you have Velociraptors that can asexually reproduce. And, and essentially... The baby gets kidnapped with a mutant dino clone girl as well. Yeah. And they basically go on this investigation to figure out where she is, who who kidnapped her, why they kidnapped her, and, you know, trying to reunite that family together. And the B-plot of the film is that the original protagonists of the first Jurassic Park, played by... Uh, Sam Neill, Alan Grant, Laura Dern, Ellie Sadler, uh, locusts have been released onto the world that are like from the Jurassic or Cretaceous period, mm-hmm. and they're eating a bunch of crops. And if this keeps going on, there's going to be global famine and the end of the world. But they also sort of implied that, oh, but they're not eating the crops controlled by this company or something. And they decide that, okay, if they're not eating the crops of this company, that must mean that something's going on with this company and it just so happens that the third lead of the original Jurassic Park Ian Malcolm played by uh, Jeff Goldblum is like the in-house philosopher for the company uh, the company's called Biosyn and they're basically mm-hmm. like if Monsanto by way of Apple <laughs> yep truly <laughs> and they basically go meet up with him at the headquarters of Biosyn which happens to be in Italy where Biosyn also happens to be taking in all the dinosaurs from the wild and putting them in like a big valley natural preserve in the in Russia. Right? No, no, no. It's in the it's like in somewhere in the Italian mountains. Oh. And they eventually the A plot and B plot are going to converge and along with a lot of dinosaurs. So that's basically the plot. Uh as and the I said, convergence is messy. The the convergence is messy. Now like like C said, the convergence is messy. The story kind of stretches almost paper thin to justify certain people meeting with each other or certain people working together or being in a certain place at a certain time. Uh, and you know, effectively you now have you now have a cast of of eight and I'll, I'm, I say eight because along with, the three leads from Jurassic World, uh, uh, or you have two leads in Chris Pratt's character, a uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, and then mutant Dino Clone Girl. Mm-hmm. The three leads from the original Jurassic Park movie, and then you get two new leads. Uh, you get uh, Mutt. I'm gonna mess up his name. Mamodo Ethi as Ramsey Cole. He basically plays like a young staffer working for Biosyn mm-hmm. and uh, Dewanda Wise, who plays Kayla Watts. And she's basically this pilot who works in trafficking dinosaurs illegally. And she ends up meeting with uh, Owen Grady and Ellie Sattler or not Ellie Sattler, Claire Deering, mm-hmm. uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Uh, so you got eight main characters and sometimes, you know, you don't have enough time to develop all of them. And the antagonist is not that good. Uh, he's played by Campbell Scott. He plays Lewis Dodson, who, for those of you that don't remember, he was the guy 
who asked Wayne Knight to steal him some dino DNA in a shaving cream bottle. And they actually do a very sweet, a very cute reference to that. I'll give them that. Yeah, like you don't, because obviously you're not going to remember all the characters' name from a movie that maybe the last time you watched it was a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you find out it's him, you're like, oh shit, it's Dachshund. Remember Dachshund? We got Dachshund over here. Mm -hmm. But anyway, anyway, all that, right? This film has problems. And it's frustrating to say and frustrating to admit but this film is not bad. Well, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be, I think. Or as we all assumed it was going to be. Yeah. This film... Uh, uh, I, I'm did, con- you wanna, did you want to not like it as much as you did? Uh, yes, I wanted to hate it because Fallen Kingdom just offended my sense of... Listen, I didn't have a problem with Fallen Kingdom up until the third act. When, when the third act happens and we find out that... Uh, by the way, the character's name is Maisie Lockwood. When mm-hmm. we find out that Maisie Lockwood is a, a dino mutant clone girl and mm-hmm. that they basically turned the Indo, the Indominus Rex into the Indoraptor who needs uh, heat-seeking lasers to kill people, I'm mm-hmm. like, this offends me. This is stupid. It's literally like the in with Austin Powers, the sharks with the lasers on their heads. Exactly, exactly. It's like, like that level. And you expect that, because listen, the trailer we just saw doesn't do anything to encourage you to think that this is going to be a good movie. No. And in some ways, it's not a good movie. But, but, um, I'm convinced Colin Trevorrow follows the film school thoughts or the film school philosophy of J.J. Abrams in which you do enough uh, heart-pounding set pieces, people will forgive your movie. And in a way, he does this in this movie, and but I would even say he does it better than JJ, uh, because mm, I won't okay, go that far. okay, okay, okay. When you saw Star Trek Into Darkness, oh, of course you're gonna pick that one, or or uh, Force Awakens. You walked out going like that was fun. How long did it take you to realize what you saw was actually kind of stupid? So, listen, I don't hate Force Awakens, but that's a podcast for another time. Okay. Um, for Into Darkness, it took me a full 24 hours to realize that was dumb as shit. Okay, okay. I'm still not at that level where I walked away from, from Dominion going, oh, that was really, really stupid. I'm Th- getting a little bit more there, but we'll get into that. Okay, okay, okay. So, that's a good... Let's get your thoughts on it. Give your full thoughts on this because I've already ranted. Yeah. So here's my thing. Um, I am. I try not to let outside opinion determine my opinion on a movie, but when, you know, when you start to talk about a movie and then suddenly other people start saying things and every once in a while you're like, well, that is a good point. That started to happen to me. So here's, here's my thing as a whole. At the end of the day, the parts that I thought were going to be dumb as shit were kind of cool. And the parts that I didn't think I'd care about were kind of dumb as shit. Like, that's sort of where it was at. The, here's the biggest example. My favorite part of the movie is literally the dino race in Italy. Or the dino car chase in Italy. 
I know it sounds silly to say that, but literally they are on motorcycles and cars run, driving away from these velociraptors and T-Rexes that have just been released into the city. I was, I was ready for some cringe, and at the end, I was like, that was awesome. Like, that was really, really cool. You know, when you bring that up, I, I have to say I totally agree with you. And here's what makes it so frustrating. Was I'm that, mad that I like it. No, no. Okay, so basically what happens in, in Malta, I believe, yeah. uh, these velociraptors get released and they start chasing our protagonists. This is also the scene slash set piece where, um, oh, what's that gentleman's name? The the French actor from oh, Omar Sy. Mm -hmm. This is where Omar Sy reappears and uh, reappears as uh, Owen Grady's. Like... That's another thing this movie did. They like had like cameos from the other movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that was the thing of this movie. And, it was and, a little weird. and you think the moment he comes up on screen, you're like, oh, great. Just a glorified cameo, which it kind of is, but it's justified. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that the velociraptors that get released happen to be indoraptors. Basically clones of the antagonist from the second film yeah. uh, Fallen Kingdom mm -hmm. but you know they're not like these mush mustache twirling like albino like weird looking raptor that like no, they adjusted their look because they realized it was dumb they're animals basically yeah. they're animals but with and, the laser pointer thing yeah yeah which is and, used kind of well in this I even have to admit that yeah and what was frustrating that all that and I'm like oh great this is going to be the worst part of the film and throughout the entire set piece, I'm like, wow, this is really well done. The sound design is great. The shot choices are creative. Like, mm -hmm. you actually are feeling your heartbeat go up. Like, my, literally, my Apple Watch told me my heartbeat was elevated yeah. as I was watching this. And I'm like, damn, Trevorrow, you got me. You got yeah. me. And, uh. you're, and you're mad. You're like, why did this work? Yeah. And it's intercut with these little character moments uh, from uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Chris Pratt, Omar Sy. So, uh, oh, also the new character, Kayla Watts, played by DeWanda Wise. Yeah. And it's just a really, really well done set piece. Yeah. It's actually, because it's actually done at a reasonable pace too, it's actually a good like example to watch if you want to figure out how to do a car chase that's also easy to, sh not easy to shoot, I don't want to say that, but like, isn't like Michael Bay level is what I mean. Like, you can see the basic steps of, like, okay, they did this, then they did that, then they did this, and then they cut here, and then they cut there. You realize in watching that movie, oh, car chases are, a good car chase is three perspectives. The protagonist driving, the antagonist driving, and some sort of emotional drama happening somewhere else. And exactly. that's what makes a good chase. No, and this exactly. movie broke it down really well. No, yeah, it was really, really well done, and I was frustrated that I was enjoying it so much. Um... Kind of to add to that, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Uh, since we talked about, you know, the Jurassic World protagonists, mm -hmm. what, 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 was, what was the Jurassic Park protagonist part where you're like, oh, man, I'm really enjoying this. Damn it. Okay. So for me, okay. Right, I'll get into something about the, the use of the many protagonists towards the end. But... One thing I will say, let me think. So, I will say, for me, the main part about like just enjoying it 
was just most of the action sequences, I was mad at how much I liked them, with the exception of one thing that I'll get into it soon. But it, it's like, because here's the thing. At the end of the day, the better emotional beats came from the original Jurassic Park protagonists. I totally agree. The Jurassic World protagonists, at the end of the day, I know people were saying Chris Pratt is, was phoning it in. I, I gotta. I don't want to agree. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was under a lot of stress. I'm sure everyone was under a lot of stress when making that movie, considering everything that was going on. But you, there's a moment. In fact, you see it in the trailer where he goes, "We gotta protect her." It's like that's a little phoned in. Like that's a little. That's not a person anymore. You got to remember that he, probably when they shot that scene, they were like eight months into a production schedule that was supposed to be four months. No, I know. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blaming them at all. I'm sure they went through. In fact, I might watch the movie soon about their experience. But point being is that it's it's like the the better emotional beats came from the. Park, we'll just call them the park protagonists instead of the world protagonists. Yeah. Um, that being said, I will mention, though, so basically, as I said, the movie's strengths were in all its surprisingly good action sequences. But here's the thing about the movie. It, it grew on me. I started out in the first act. I was like, this is dumb. This is really dumb. But then it gave me a little moment that I kind of liked, which was the um, the long neck in you know in the in the snow with the guys trying to cut down the trees. That was like, oh, that's a cool moment to see what they're experiencing in the wild. I get that. Um, and then it, it, it was yeah. uh, it was a very it had like it, it was it was a decent recreation of kind of that that scene of awe that you had in the first Jurassic Park. Yeah, because you had you had one-to-one comparison to other things. Yeah. In this case, though, what, what made it interesting was that it's not scientists who are looking at, at these dinosaurs in wonder. It's just these blue-collar workers who are just kind of like, whoa, I never thought I'd see something like this. And they're, yeah. they, 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 they don't go gaga like a scientist would, but they still know that it's – it's majestic. Did you get yeah. what I'm saying? It's it's like, um, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's kind of like, how do I put this? If 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 you were to just walk in a, a nearby park, and for some reason there's an elephant, you'd be like, you'd acknowledge the majesty of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be like, whoa, that's pretty incredible. But it's just like, yeah, you're just you're there to do a job, and suddenly you see something, and you're like, whoa, I never thought I'd see something so rare. Or so unique. Like, anyone can comprehend the majesty of it. But there's a solemn note to it, which I did like. Yeah. But then they immediately go back to, Blue produced, reproduced asexually. And I'm like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's the problem with the movie. You have these great moments. And it's just like, at the end of the day, I'm like, fuck off. This is dumb. I will. Can I tell you my problem with the ending? Uh, Sure. Just let me kind of give my perspective on the park trio. All right. So, like... The world trio had the best set piece for my money. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also had the best, um, I guess, I guess you could say like the best little character arc in the movie uh, because Kyla Watts is with uh, Claire and uh, Owen and she goes from like an uncaring dinosaur trafficker to someone who wants to help their parents find their daughter. Right. She actually goes through a similar um, progression as the first 
lead in Jurassic Park goes through where he starts to care about the kids. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's so simple and it's nothing groundbreaking, nothing groundbreaking at all. Mm-hmm. But it Dewanda Wise plays the character beautifully. You know, she she gives life to a, a character arc that would be seen as rote. Yeah. And by the end, you're like, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're here. Is kind of how I was feeling. Like she wasn't like eye rollingly incompetent or eye rollingly super competent. She she was that character who's like, oh god, this is all really crazy. But I'm not going to be like an anchor to the to the protagonists. Yeah. But I'm also not going to be like think that I'm above all this, you know. She's 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 the, she she was the new, and I I wish there was a better way to say this. She became that she was the new everyman, like the new the she. You know what it was? She was a um she she was like a an emotional Swiss Army knife where you definitely useful but not over the top. Exactly. Yeah. No. Uh. And you know she, I I gotta say at the end I was like, oh I really liked that character of Kayla Watts. I really did. And listen, I, I think uh, Mamudu Athi played Ramsey decently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just wasn't given a lot to do. I mean, no. I'm glad they didn't make him a wimp or super incompetent. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, you're just kind of there to be like that one millennial or Zoomer who actually has a conscience. But anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the Park Trio. What makes it more emotionally captivating is the fact that... And... <laughs> See, I don't know if you'll agree or disagree with me at this. Did you think Sam Neill and Laura Dern had better chemistry in this than they had in the original Jurassic Park? Because I think they did. I I don't think they did. I thought it was a little forced in this one. I thought their chemistry in the original one was really powerful because there was something about like them. They had this like little. There was a there was a banter to them in the first one. This one seemed a little forced. I well, felt. See, I disagree. I and listen, when I when I heard that, like the crux of Ellie and Alan's uh, interactions would be like them kind of getting back together, I thought to myself, "Oh, I really wish they wouldn't do that." The third mm-hmm. film already established that you know she married someone else and he mm-hmm. kind of stayed single. And it, for one of the few things I can say about the third, that's good about the third movie, is that it touches upon kind of Alan Grant having this kind of kind of having this kind kind of coming to terms with the fact that he ended up alone and he didn't end up with Ellie. Ellie. Uh, even though, you know, at the end of the first one, you think like, oh, he's going to want kids with her now, yada, yada, yada. And you mm-hmm. thought, okay, that's an interesting place to take the character, whatever. Um, but then when they're like, okay, now it's going to be them really getting together. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, like, I'm not going to like this. This is going to be bad. But uh, I honestly, I, I, I can't lie to you, see? I really did feel like that mutual attraction, all those years of regret, I I, I felt it between them. Well, they're also just very talented actors and they're able to do that. But I just thought it was a little, there seemed like to be this, like it it was like they were doing it because the script demanded of it. I just didn't quite feel it, but that's just Mm -hmm. me. That's just me. Okay. So, you know, when he goes like, yeah, I'll go with you to figure out what these locusts are doing. I was like, no, you're following her because you kind of want to ask her out, you little bitch. But anyway, (laughs) 
And then they meet up with Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm. At, Which, who at, doesn't love Jeff Goldblum's character at the end of the day? Who doesn't yeah, love that? Yeah, no. He he plays Ian Malcolm with the same intensity, the same energy that he did in 93 with uh, Jurassic Park and in 95 or 96 with well, uh, me, Lost World. Let me be clear. I, I will say this. He made a great lead in Lost World because people forget he was the lead in that, basically. Uh, no, he really was. And he really works because he becomes less of a caricature in the se- in that second movie. But that's just my own little thought there. The the one thing that kind of bummed me out was that I heard rumors that they were going to make references to like his multiple ex wives and that you were going to see like a bunch of his kids and like his kid from Lost World. Uh, mm-hmm. But they never popped up, so I was like, "Oh, that's a bummer." And I liked—I actually liked the the, dam- the, the the dynamic between him and his kid in Lost World. I don't know who that kid actress is, but she was good. Yeah, and you know, I was just bummed that they never grew with that. But you know, uh, Ian Malcolm. When the three of them are together, you get that back and forth. You know, Alan kind of kind of gets really annoyed with Ian. Ellie's like trying to calm both Alan and Ian down. And Ian is just kind of being a little pompous to Ellie and Alan. Like mm-hmm. seeing seeing that chemistry there from Jurassic Park, it, it was fun. It, it, I, I got to say it was fun. You know, the dialogue might have been more hokey in this than in Jurassic Park, but, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the two trios intersect was when I was like, okay, I definitely feel the force of the of the story just going, okay, now we need you all together because the script demands it. And let, let's so, put it let, let's put it this way. I think the beat that encapsulates that problem that I have and that I think you might have was when when Alan and Owen meet up, Alan says, wait, you're Owen Grady. The guy who trains Velociraptors. And Owen goes, oh, you're Alan Grant. I read your book. Actually, I listened to the audio version. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like, okay, that just the cringiness of that encapsulates mm-hmm. just how hard it is to, how hard it must be to find a decent reason why these two groups of people would team up. Does it make sense what I'm saying? It absolutely does, Al. It absolutely does. Now, one thing I'll also add. So you bring all of them together. So in the final part of the final act, like the the last quarter of it, they bring both groups together into one. They've been intersecting at various times. They've passed each other by almost in weird ways. But they finally come together as one group, all six or eight of them, however many it was at the end. So they're all together. And I realized a huge fucking problem that this creates when putting them all together. Do you know what that is, Al? I think I know what you're going to say. There are no stakes. Exactly. Yes. Of them, they're yes. all going to be fine. And we yes. know it. Yes. We know they're all going to be okay. Uh, like there's, like, there's none of them are going to die. None of them are even going to get hurt. Like, no, like it'd be one thing. It's like I'm, I'm like they're either gonna go real bold and kill one of them, which they're not, or they're all gonna live. And guess what? They all live. So when they have the whole minute where they're trying to get get away from that, and whatever that giant, what was it? The Indominus Rex? No, no, no. It it was like another big monster. Ba- ba- basically, and this is actually kind of funny. Uh, Colin Trevorrow in a in an interview some time back said. Oh, the 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 quote unquote antagonist dinosaur 
is going to be someone from is, is going to be someone that viewers would know of. He, he basically insinuated it was going to be the Spinosaurus from Jurassic Park three because mm. he said, oh, the antagonist dinosaur uh, is going to have a rematch with the T-Rex and the T-Rex is going to show them who's boss. So mm. I was like, oh, it's the Spinosaurus Rex because, you know, the Spinosaurus, the Spinosaurus kills a T-Rex in Jurassic Park three. Yeah. I said, oh, OK, that's that's a little fun. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't. It turned out it was just this apparently like the the Jurassic Park version of the biggest land predator in the world, which I'm here's the thing. I'm like, well, no one's going to care because it's not a T-Rex. I, yeah. Well, yeah, the that that dinosaur is not as ingrained in the popular culture as a T-Rex. Yeah. Right. That's the whole reason why you made the Indominus Rex was because you needed to create something crazy for the T-Rex to fight. And this yeah. one, you're like, well, no, this is the real dinosaur that was bigger than the T-Rex. And I'm like, yeah. And the fact that, yeah, the <laughs> fact that me cares? and C can't even remember its name tells you yeah. that no one would care. Yeah. Cause the thing is, and this is one area where Jurassic Park really gets a lot of leeway. Y'all, do you know how many different animals existed before humans? There were a fuck ton of animals, especially in that era. Because you remember, it wasn't just a few dinosaurs. It was an entire ecosystem that no longer exists, okay? So guess what? There are multiple predators. There are multiple prey. And we discover new ones every few few years, give or take. So because of that, they're going to find something that's bigger than a T-Rex, Okay, it's just it'll happen. But bringing these what I was the fact that you bring all of them together and you have this big fight between this giant other carnivore and the T-Rex, although the battle, I will admit, at the end was fun. I was like, this is cool. But the whole fact that like the fact that like all six of them are like trying to avoid the T-Rex and this other dinosaur. And you never feel like anyone's going to die or get eaten. No, you're more concerned. It's like, God, I hope the T-Rex wins. That's all you care about. Yeah. Like, like the way the, the way the fight is set up, it's definitely less like, oh, these people are going to get eaten and more like, oh God, I hope T-Rex doesn't die. There's literally a moment when the clone girl gets caught in a cage with the giant T-Rex maw around the cage, slowly closing it in. Not the T-Rex, like the giant, the giant giant carnivore. The giant carnivore closing its mouth and like slowly crushing the cage and she's like trying to get out. In my head, I went, you're fine. Because I knew it was going to be fine. No, exactly. Totally. (laughs) You're fine. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who, but there was one character who kind of works for the bad guys that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they might get eaten, you know? Because mm-hmm. they had a whole thing about like being regretful about their part in making all this chaos. I was like, okay, they might die. Yeah. Guess but, what? But guess what? They don't. <laughs> yeah. They're fine. They get a yeah. nice little yeah. ending. I, I remember I heard someone saying like, oh, it'll probably be either uh, Bryce Dallas Howard or Chris Pratt who dies because they're not going to want to make more. And I'm like, they don't have to. Well, first of all, that would be smart that if you know they're not, they don't want to come back. Yeah. Have them die. Uh, uh, a heroic death, yeah. but you but know, the paycheck can always get bigger. Exactly. The paycheck can always get bigger. Yeah. Uh, no, they kill Chris Brock, but then that's finally their excuse to do the human dino hybrid. <laughs> oh my God. That would be so Oh funny. my God. Oh my, no, God. my God. So <laughs> Chris Pratt hatches out of an egg. So what C's referencing to is that apparently they never say who exactly, but there's always a producer in universal. Who's like, 
We want to do a Jurassic Park movie about dino-human hybrids. Why do I think it's the guy that played Bradley that was played by Bradley Cooper in um, John Peters? Why do I think it was John Peters? I, I don't think it'd be John Peters. I, like for my money, I think it's Frank Marshall, hmm. who who's the one who wants to do that. And Steven Spielberg's always like Frank, Frank, I love you. You know, they, I love in, you and Kathleen, but no. In in you realize though, in the first Jurassic World, they make a subtle reference to it. They do. They really do. And that's and what that's so why funny. I because Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy have been attached to this franchise as long as Steven Spielberg has. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, listen, Steven Spielberg sometimes has very broad taste, mm -hmm. but he never has weird taste. And that just mm -hmm. doesn't seem like something he would he would like vicariously pitch. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, but no, see, you're totally right. The the. As I was watching, again, I'm having fun, you know, watching dinosaurs and all that. Mm -hmm. But it's still like in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're not going to die. They're not. No, the, the they're movie fine. Has, the movie has done absolutely nothing to telegraph that someone's in danger or in real danger. Um, and then the one that does, the one person not involved in that group that does die, you're like, well, that that took long. That took that took a long time. You know, it was a good death, though. It, like it made sense. It's a it's a it's a poetic death. But even then. That doesn't make up for the fact that you're like, again, not a lot of people die. Not that we want people to die. No, no. But like, like when you, you want when stakes, you, when you know it's not going to happen, when you figured out, OK, based on the cast, they've this isn't going to happen. It, six smoothies worth and they're fine. No, you, no. It's, exactly. It's all good. So um, I, I mentioned it, but I'll say this. Something else, and the reason why I think this movie is making gangbusters in the block in the block <laughs> in the box office mm -hmm. is one and one reason only: the dinos. Mm -hmm. And listen, they're fun. What yeah, else can I say? Here, here's something that I never thought I'd say. Contrary to what you might think, dear listener, there are quite a bit of practical affect dinosaurs in this movie a shocking amount and i'm happy about that. i i would at least say 45 percent. yeah pretty close to that more there, more than you'd think like obviously we're not talking original jurassic park levels no we're not no. saying that but we're definitely saying that i was like that's an animatronic and that's amazing like yeah. like I was literally getting giddy every time I saw a close-up of a dinosaur, and I'm like, Have you wow. noticed they're going back to animatronics for things when it's a close-up now? Not even a medium shot, though. It has to be a close-up. Yes, I, I have noticed that. And I and think I they figured out that, like, oh, it genuinely looks better. I was so happy that Colin Trevorrow really, really uh, fulfilled his promise of, like, listen, I understand that there was not nearly enough um, animatronic dinosaurs in Jurassic World I understand that Fallen Kingdom barely made that any better and mm -hmm. it left a bad taste in your mouth. So here's all the animatronic dinos we can feasibly put in this movie. Yeah. And it, listen, it's great. You you watch it and you're just in awe at the craftsmanship of these of mm -hmm. these dinosaurs. It's it's one it's one of these things where you're like th the this, more real you can make them the better. Like it justifies going to see this on the large screen and not waiting for it to pop up on Peacock because as mm. this is Universal and Universal is part of Comcast and Comcast owns Peacock. So all Jurassic Park movies are going to end up on Peacock. Yeah. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. There's one scene where uh, Laura Dern is interacting with a baby 
Triceratops with uh, Sam Neill kind of looking at it like, oh, I, I don't want to, but I kind of want to touch it because, you know, Triceratops are his favorite dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. This is so cool. And, you know, because, listen, contrary to popular belief, people, have, there are still animatronic designers out there and mm-hmm. the craft has been advancing, even though yeah. CGI has essentially drove them out of business. So there's so many points of mobility. But it's of these advancing. Things. The way it's advancing, from what I understand, is they're like, how do we. It's not to make them move better or make them look more realistic because people have decided that you can just add a little, a layer of CGI to it and make it work. But it's how do we make it cheaper to make these things? How do we use less innards to make this move? But but they still give them like a lot of points of mobility oh, where yeah. where you know before just the head moved, or maybe the head and the eyelids. Now it's the head, the eyelids, the uh, nostrils, like extra muscles on the jaw. Like it it. I'm not saying it looks lifelike. I'm just saying you're just shocked at how intricate these these animatronics can be and you're just go like oh wow i'm really really glad uh colin trevorrow and the producers you know coughed up the money to do this mm-hmm. you know I, it's a, it's appreciative because again people forget uh the original jurassic park was mostly animatronics the mm-hmm. cgi was used few and far between right mm-hmm. um and again the cgi in this film it's fine you know uh, it's acceptable. You're, there was never a scene where I was like, well, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, or where that's obviously, or that's like a video game. I, I never went there. The closest I would say would have been the, there's a there's a set piece that involves a frozen lake and a feathered velociraptor, which is basically the Jurassic Park producers going, uh, okay, let's try to Jurassic Worldify like the... Uh, the actual appearance of an of a okay so this is a this is a little bit of a detour so let me explain uh in the original jurassic park uh they really never had a complete bone of a velociraptor mm-hmm. so they just kind of made an educated guess of what a velociraptor would look like mm-hmm. you know almost six feet tall uh fast and very very smart Years later, they discovered that no, velociraptors are actually quite small, closer to the raptors you saw in the Disney film Dinosaur. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're small. We realized we were way off about what they looked like. Yeah. Small, feathered creatures. Uh, they're not wolves, they're coyotes, basically. Coyotes, big chickens that act like coyotes. Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, later on, to the surprise of everyone else, they actually found the fossils of a raptor that was actually the size of the Jurassic Park velociraptors and was looked much closer to what those raptors looked like than real velociraptors did. And mm-hmm. they called that raptor the Ultra Raptor. Mm-hmm. And now, as a bit of a shout out to that discovery in Dominion, uh, Chris Pratt and uh, DeWanda Wise have a set piece with an ultra raptor, which is, you know, it looks about as accurate as they think that yeah. dinosaur would have looked like. You know, it has feathers, kind of runs like a chicken. Uh, it, it, it runs like a chicken. It looks like it's trying to fly, but it can't. 
and it probably was really good at swimming underwater. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. If you're if you're a dinosaur nerd out there and you saw this set piece, you'd be like, oh shit, they uh they brought in the Ultra Raptor. And well, I thought that was a little fun. It is fun, and I think because one thing we've well, so also real quick for those of you out there, one of the one of the best behind the scenes movies ever is the one for the first Jurassic Park. If you have not seen it, it's literally narrated by um by uh, Darth Vader voice. Um, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones literally narrates it, and it's incredible. And because it, it's simultaneously a, it's a, it's a, it's about the making of the movie, and it's about dinosaurs too, because of how in depth they went at the time. And one thing they explained that's really incredible is that they acknowledge the certain areas that they don't know in that movie. They talk about, well, we don't really know what these looked like or what these did, or if. Because the big question was like, how do we know they what their skin looked like? And the long and short of it is, up until very recently, we really had no idea, and we still don't, for the most part, know. But the the whole fact that they've added feathers to some dinosaurs now is we now realize, well, a big discovery: most modern day lizards don't descend from dinosaurs; only a handful do. So we now think more of them had feathers than we thought. You know, it's really interesting that that like. As this franchise has progressed, they they have done their best to include like like new discoveries about updates. dinosaurs and updates about the dinosaurs. Like for instance, uh, if you watch the the first Jurassic Park, you see that the Brachiosauruses their necks are up like a giraffe's, right? Yeah. So uh, recent discoveries have found out that Brachiosauruses actually had their Next, stretch outwards in a horizontal manner with their tails balancing them out. And so all the brachiosauruses or all the long-necked dinosaurs you've seen in the Jurassic World movies, they don't have their necks pointed up. They have them pointed uh, horizontally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then subtle changes like that that they've done. Obviously, some are too iconic for them to want to change. Yeah. Well, it's like, what's the, the one the, that has the big spines on its back, but it's all on all fours? It's got oh, the thin... that's that that's that's actually a very famous dinosaur because it's it's quote unquote the first dinosaur. Yes. Like it, it literally popped up like right after land animals appeared. I forget the name of it. But that's um, another thing is they've included after Lost World, they didn't include it as much because somehow people realized that it existed so long ago that it couldn't have come into contact with any others or something. Yeah, but you know, again, they're they're that's the case with a lot of them. They're one of those dinosaurs that elementary school kids know about. So yeah. I think that's why it's included in this film. Same with the Ankylosauruses. Um I would I will say this, the uh the again, you know, the T Rex is so iconic that even though we know T Rexes had feathers, they're like, no, 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 we're no. not going to change this. Everybody knows the T Rex has this. Yeah. Um, we're not messing with that. Yeah, there was a, there was another dinosaur that I was like, oh, I'm I'm surprised they included them. The uh, uh <laughs> I I don't remember the name, but there's they're not an antagonist per se. They're more of like a true neutral dinosaur that's just there to maybe help or to not help. And it basically looks like if Freddy Krueger wanted to be a dinosaur. Oh, well, no, it was a pretty big antagonist in this movie. It was fucking, it was intense. Yeah, but they, it, it never really like 
went like, oh, I'm a bad dino. Because uh, it kind of joins in the fight with the T-Rex and the giant carnivore. And you're yeah. surprised how that fight goes when that dinosaur joins in. Yeah. But it was, if you came across that thing in real life, you'd be like, well, I'm going to die. That's it. Exactly. Well, and any of them, to be fair. Anyways, okay. Circling back, um, do we want to give our final review? Uh, sure, yeah. Do you want to go first or should I? Sure. So here's my thing. This movie grew on me, but at the end of the day, it had no stakes. So I have to say this is a meh, but it's almost a movie. It's really close. And I'll admit, when I walked out of the movie theater, I was like, that's a movie, but barely. No, it is still meh, but it's a meh that if you can... Go ahead and see it in theaters because it's actually you'll have a great time with the action set pieces. All right. Oh, one other dinosaur I want to mention is that in the years since Jurassic Park came out, they actually discovered this giant, giant uh, flying dinosaur that's uh, as big as a as big as like a single single engine plane is that the one they nicknamed big bird because they realized how huge yeah it was. so it's called the quasi basically they named it after the aztec wind dragon god oh right? yeah something like that anyway and it has a whole set piece in it in the air it's it's the flying dinosaur you see in this movie and that was pretty cool and i was pretty excited because they found that they found that uh those fossils in mexico so it's like it's the most quote-unquote famous mexican dino anyway didn't they figure out that it could like break parking meters with its jaw like that's how yeah yeah powerful it was and if if i'm not if i'm not mistaken and it wasn't it wasn't a it's it was they don't they're not even sure if it ate meat right they can't prove that they, they they're not sure but if I'm not mistaken, I believe there are either some fossils or maybe a statue replica of that flying dinosaur at the Field Museum in Chicago, Illinois. But mm. I, I can't I can't be for sure. Anyway, let me give my review now. Mm. All right. I totally expect this to be a sucks. And I'm really shocked to say this, but this is this is a five dollar Tuesday movie. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that I do think this is a movie that's best served being seen in the big screen because of the dinosaurs, because of the animatronics you see, because of the great vistas with the herding dinosaurs and all that. But you should not pay full price to see this or even matinee price. You should pay the discount because, you know, all movie theater chains have like a day that they dedicate to like $5 tickets. It's usually Tuesday. Well, it's usually Tuesday for AMC. I don't know when it is for Regal or for smaller Mm -hmm. chains. But go to see it on that day, and you're going to have fun. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, take your kids to see it because it's summer and they're out of school. Yeah. Um, have fun. Watch it. Enjoy seeing uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and uh, Jeff Goldblum reunited take on the screen Take your kids to again. it and then, take, and then immediately go home and show them the original. Oh, yeah. That's Although, actually a good pairing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's actually a really, really good idea, see? Really, really good idea. But I again, have no kids, but I'm a good dad. <laughs> he's a great dad. Some would say he's the best daddy out there. Oh, you. I know, I know. Anyway, yeah. God, that's... people think we're a couple now from that alone. Jesus. Right? Anyway. We're not. So, we're not. so yeah, uh, I think this is a $5 Tuesdays movie. Okay. Go watch it in the theater, but watch it on that discount day that all the theater chains have. 
Uh, all right. This is this has been fun. I I do enjoy talking about the Jurassic Park movies because you know. No matter what, it's good to see dinosaurs on the big screen. What can I say? Also, this franchise has literally existed for as long as you and I have been alive. I've been alive a little bit longer than this movie, than this movie franchise. I was born pretty close to when this movie came out. The, right? the original, the original. Right. No, and, you know, it's interesting. They've been selling, this isn't a spoiler, the, the marketing has been selling this as the epic conclusion. Uh, I don't know if it's to Jurassic World Trilogy or to the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole. Because here's the thing. Imagine how shit terrified a filmmaker who's on the cups to breaking out in Hollywood will be when he gets called into an office with Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall, and Kathleen Kennedy, and they tell them to, hey, how would you reboot Jurassic Park? Wait, wait, wait. You want me to reboot the iconic... 1993 film that showed everyone dinosaurs are with us again you want me to reboot your movie sir mr spielberg yeah how would you remake it uh can i snort a lot of cocaine first of course uh i i'm again like i love i can't say i would i can't say i would have come up with what they came up with for these three new movies Right. And I just I I really do believe that now they're going to be like, yeah, remake the first one. Oh, I, I just I just don't I just, please. Any if any producers listening out there, which they're not, don't please don't leave it I, alone. I know. I know. See, I know that's it's hard to hear. But again, after you say like, oh, this is the epic conclusion. The only other way to go is to do a. Do a remake, but just do something different. Like, all right. So, when does a franchise die? When you beat it into the ground? Anyways, that's a separate podcast. That entirely. is a separate podcast. That's oh my separate. gosh, that's a great. I, I'm writing that down. It's like, well, when, does well, a fran- anyway. when do you stop the franchise? <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this has been. What do you think? I'm Al. I'm C. A million, ten million years in the making. Good night. Ter- Terminator Dark Fate, everybody. That it died that day. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Good night.